Hey guys, welcome to the RCR podcast. Um, I'm the Roman, and the, uh, Mr. Regular is here. Guy. Um, so yeah, this is our first official podcast that we're doing together. It's formerly Ask RCR, but uh, we sort of wanted to expand out and just sort of talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. A lot's been sort of going on just in terms of the work and uh getting things done i mean i had to muscle out that isle of man video last week how long did that take you to do uh well i mean what's weird is okay so i started writing it in uh june like after the james dean video was done and uh because when we were overseas in the uk tom clark uh our host shout out yeah um, hey tom clark yeah uh mentioned the island dj man. kate frost oh yeah yeah <laughs> Um, he, he mentioned the Isle of Man TT and I'd never heard of this before. And, uh, once he explained the whole thing, I was kind of like, yeah, this would make a good, you know, RCR stories. And so, uh, I started writing it and then, uh, I guess I sort of fell into a funk of not really knowing where I, or how I wanted to tell the story. Cause the idea was that it was going to be this short thing about this killer race mm-hmm. that causes all this death and destruction, but you can't just talk about the race without talking about the people. Yeah. So eventually it became this story of the people who were killed in the race. Then it turned into, let's just talk about the legends of the race, irrespective of whether or not they've been killed in the race or not. And it mm-hmm. turns out that all three, well, the three sections, because basically I decided to to focus on uh, one drive or one rider for each era Mm -hmm. so there's uh the early days of the isle of man it was stanley woods um who was you know the first man to hit double digits in Mm. isle of man victories then the um like the glory period of the 1960s i did mike halewood who was kind of like the you know the playboy of the Mm -hmm. isle of man but super skilled kind of like the rick flair of it all and then um the third one, it was going to be uh, split across, you know, the three generations of the Dunlops. Well, two generations, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get Joey Dunlop, his brother, uh, uh, Robert, and their uh, Robert's sons, uh, Michael and William, you know. So mm-hmm. you get all of that leading into the modern era. Mm-hmm. And so once I figured out how to tell the story, it started to come out a lot faster, but... It was just the amount of, you know, research and writing and rewriting because, you know, you kind of get sort of self-conscious about the research and about what you're writing. You can already sort of envision the YouTube comments in your head about like, mm. oh, well, that's not really true. But yeah. Yeah, I got an e- I got some emails about people saying, hey, you should really know that this little bit of minutia was different than that. But uh, that's 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 part of the territory. Yeah, it's fair enough. I mean, it's I'm, I'm I kind of open myself up to that, and also because I'm not as deep into motorcycles as you, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was me sort of trying to expand my knowledge base by diving into this thing, and um, it's because the RCR stories, like, yeah, they're car history stories, but the story is always about the people yeah, for is. me. And so that if I can't find like an interesting hook for the people, you know, it's kind of hard. So, you know, the Dunlop family, 
it was interesting because with Joey, you have, you know, this, this wonderkind of racing Mm -hmm. who's sort of seen as like this folk hero in a Mm -hmm. way. Then you have Robert who, uh, whose death, you know, only really happened because he got into this accident in 1994 and it prevented him from being able to close his hand all the way. So Mm. they had to put a button near the shifter to operate his front brake so Mm. that when he saw, you know, uh, this, you know, this, this object in the road, you tried to downshift but ended up hitting the brake mm-hmm. button and that was all she wrote. And so it's this weird tragedy thing. And then with the sons, you know, you have this sibling rivalry. That's a good hook. Mm-hmm. And then with Mike Halewood, you have a guy who, um, whose death was foretold by a South African fortune teller. That was so weird. Yeah, that is, that's really weird. And the frick, he dies exactly the way they said it yeah. with the freaking truck. Yeah, a lorry driver, and he only, you know, had to end up paying, like, a 150-pound fine, which, I mean, like, you killed a guy. You killed two people. You killed a man and his, like, nine-year-old daughter. Like, that's ridiculous. And so, I don't know. It's the weirdness of the people and also of their stories. Mm -hmm. And then you, I realize, like, towards the end, right before the epilogue is the chapter where I talked about... You know, well, why the race is deadly of like, here are all the people who died. These are the stats. And then I realized like, no, that's stupid. You need to put that earlier to sort of mm-hmm. explain before you get into it of like why the race is dangerous. Mm-hmm. But um, once I had finally written it, because the writing is always the longest part. But once it was written uh, and I recorded it, so it took two days to edit the audio, which once I was done, because I recorded it in one take going all the way through. You did that all in one take? Well, I, not like without mistakes. Oh. I, I'll reset. I was going to say. Yeah, no. I reset and then do it all over again. So by the time, uh, the final product was an hour and 24 minutes and some change. Mm-hmm. But uh, that take, that original vocal take, was close to three hours. And so ah. it's me going through, get chopping up all the stuff yep. that I messed up. And then once that's done, going through and taking out like as many of the breaths as possible, yeah. which is really time consuming. And then you do all that other stuff. And so that was like two, three days. And then the actual video itself um, was just, you know, breaking night for like three days because I needed it to be done before I went to New York Comic Con mm-hmm. because I wasn't going to work on it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I wasn't going to be able to because mm-hmm. you go into the press lounge at New York Comic Con and yeah, it's really nice and it's really quiet too. Really? And if you just so much as like step out, you know, a little, a couple feet out into the main hall, tons of noise like a high school cafeteria. But once you're <laughs> in the press lounge, I don't know if there's sound deadening material, but you know, it's just very quiet and very well air conditioned. And yeah. Is it the same room? Is it no. the same? Oh, it's, it's different, different so, than the New York uh, auto show. Yeah. It's a different room. Different room. And so it's kind of this strange... Um, I, and I didn't realize this. For years, I didn't realize this. But the press room for the New York auto show... Because um, the far wall, like when you walk in... Yeah. For the New York auto show press lounge, there's that wall. And I... For some... Like, I feel like in my mind, I knew it was a, a takeaway wall. Like mm-hmm. a... 
collapsible wall or whatever, but it never really occurred to me until I went down there this year. Mm-hmm. And because it was uh, basically the Javits Center is under construction. So there's this place called Artist Alley that's normally on the north wing. And this year it, they had to move it. And uh, it was in uh, the downstairs where the press lounge for the auto show usually is. Mm-hmm. And but it was just so much bigger. And in my head, I never really linked the two. Ah. So it was just that strange sense of, yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Um, I mean, realistically, like the press badge is nice to have in that it's more cost effective because you get in f- all four days for a flat rate. Uh-huh. But it's also really effective for bathrooms because uh there are so many times where you know it was like world war brown and i had to get (laughs) and those the bathroom lines are just ridiculous and i was gonna like add this pro tip into the video that i'm gonna make on uh the the new york comic-con to the effect of uh how if you find yourself you know looking for a bathroom find the all-inclusive bathroom You'll find it by, well, for one, it'll say all-inclusive bathroom, but it'll also have uh, a symbol that's all the gender symbols okay. in one. Yeah. Um, because, like, yes, you'll be in there with, like, men and women together. So, like, if you're going to you know, blow one out, like, there is a possibility that, you know, uh, someone really cute is going <laughs> to ah. be nearby. But, like, at the at the end of the day, the lines are way shorter uh, mm. for whatever reason. Um. But by the next day, I guess, like, everyone had figured this out. (laughs) So the line was just out of control. I mean, I cannot imagine what it's like trying to get into, like, one of the regular bathrooms. But, um, I don't know. For, uh, Comic-Con, I am gonna... It's the lower intestine equivalent of ordering the kosher meal on an an airplane. (laughs) You get it quicker and it's better. (laughs) I was just, uh, watching this episode of Seinfeld on Hulu where, uh... Um, Jerry and Elaine are taking a flight and their flight gets uh, canceled or rerouted or something. And so they get up, they get a fr- free transfer onto another flight, but only one of them can go into first class. I remember that and, one. And Jerry like suggests that Elaine go to coach because it's like, well, you've never flown first class, right? It's like, well, no. It's like, yeah, see, you don't know what you're giving up. Like I've flown first class. <laughs> I know what the difference is. And you know, the whole episode is just going back and forth of showing like the difference of yeah. like Jerry getting hot fudge sundays in first class and Elaine having to eat the kosher meal because somebody else like took her food while she was in the bathroom. <laughs> like, just that type of thing. Um I don't know. I, I just and keep then she, and then she sneaks up in the first class and yeah. then someone says, "Oh, can I see your boarding pass or something?" Like, "Don't make me go back there. Yeah. Don't make me go back there." Yeah. Uh Maybe. Like, I, I'm getting spoiled when it comes when it comes to flight times. Or like, because we came up Millhouse with both flights in and out of uh, Manchester because there was so few people on that plane. There, there were people lying across four rows of seat or four seats. Yeah, because there was that much room, and the flight attendant said, "Go, go ahead, do that." Yeah, we were encouraged to go to go know, do spread that. out. And uh I I paid extra money to to have like the nice coach seats to sit up front. You stayed up there and uh and then I went back and found like two seat uh there were plenty of unoccupied seats by the uh by the windows. So I kind of did like okay, well, 
sitting up in the seat next to you, even though I have more leg room, is still going to be less room than if I go back and find two normal unoccupied seats, put the armrest up and kind of sit halfway across. So that's what I did coming and going. I wish I had the I wish I was Johnny on the spot like the Elvis impersonator was who was on the flight going there. He was quick to get right into four like the four or five rows splayed out. I'm like, man. Anyway. Yeah, no, he didn't need to be told. No. He and- he looked like he looked like a guy who's made this trip a lot before, which makes me wonder how lucrative it is to be yeah. uh, a and he's also doing the 1970s Elvis. Yeah, he's yeah. doing fat Elvis. The guy wasn't fat, but he, he was still fat, doing. But he was doing, you know, the the theme song for Family Feud, you know, Elvis. <laughs> it was kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know, and that was exactly what I was thinking of. Like, is this guy in demand? Yeah, is that a thing, thing in the UK to be an Elvis impersonator? Because it sure shit isn't here. Yeah, maybe Vegas, maybe Branson, but <laughs> Bronson. Bronson was like, "Hey ma, how about some cookies? No dice. This ain't over." <laughs> But, uh, oh, Pally, this is Brunson, Missouri. Hey, ooh. <laughs> yeah. I shot him. Now I'm going to Emmett's Fix-It Shop to, to fix, fix Emmett. Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 90s. Yeah. Mm. But, um... So on the way back from the UK, on the way back from Manchester to Philadelphia, I was... I was having these, like, plain moments... I can't remember. No, did I take the sleeping pill or not? Um, I can't remember if I did or didn't. On, I know I did on the way, and it kind of helped. And I can't remember if I did on the way back. I took a Dramamine, um, which I've never gotten like air sick before. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, something in my head was just like, take it, just yeah. take it. Um, yeah, they knock you out. Yeah, I slept like a log. Oh, I got it. We got to do that for New Zealand or yeah. something. Oh, the that's thing gonna is, suck. Like and I, I mean th- I think we're room. I think we're getting not in you know this is just hearsay I think we're getting something between coach and business I think we're getting something where the seats pull back a little bit more I it's can not with that yeah it's gonna yeah. be not steerage it's gonna be something better whatever flight it's gonna be whatever carrier it is like I say or New Zealand they have some sort of some sort of tier in between coach and business. It's not first class. Um, something between coach and business that isn't just coach, but it's the but it's the uh, fire exit. <laughs> that oh yes, I guess it's better because there's more room. He said the um, Caswell said that the seats um, recline a little bit more, and I think you get a footrest that kind of comes out. It's not like a lazy boy. But your feet can go up a little bit, yeah. so it'll be something. I don't know what that flight is—twelve hours, something it's like something that. Something like fifteen, I want to say. Yeah, eh, it's it's something really hard. But hey, we have uh, L.A. to look forward to. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Yeah. Um. On the way back, I mean. Yeah. To, you know. Yeah. The 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 trip. Well, I made the video. The trip is pretty much um, uh, mapped out and programmed now. But anyway, yeah. On the way back from Manchester, I was. Sit the seat I chose that had no one in it was like a row or two rows behind this one fat guy in some sort of uh, football soccer football jersey, and he kept standing up and just looking back and standing like 
he stood in the aisle for what must have been hour and 15 minutes hmm. just sitting standing in the aisle by his seat with his arms draped over his own seat occasionally talking to his wife and he just sat and just sort of looked back like he was looking at something just standing in the aisle standing in the aisle I'm like the frick is this guy going and I'm focusing and I'm obsessing about this why is he standing in the aisle what is he looking at I kind of got up and looked around to see if there was something back there this was my own there's something on the wing moment. Like, why does this guy have to have to stand in the aisle? Who is he that he stands in the aisle? What is it? Turns out when we were all getting off the plane, okay, the guy's the guy was kind of hunched over. He was pro- it was probably hurting his back just sitting in the coach mm. seat and standing in the aisle helped his back. But for three hours <laughs> Like, no, he's standing up again. He's standing in the aisle again. Why is he standing in the aisle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's standing there like that, like you're in ninth grade and your crush is absent and you keep expecting her to like walk through hoping that she just took a half day. Mm. You know, that type of longing. You're looking for somebody. Yeah. Because, you know, if she's absent, like that's a whole day of potential flirting wasted. Oh, Even yeah. though, you know, you're not going to talk to her. Come on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Uh. I don't know. Planes are just like they don't frighten me the way that, you know, they frighten some other people. Although, you know, I don't even know that they frighten that many people anymore. But Mm. still, it's one of those things where um, I do get a certain amount of anxiety, like Mm -hmm. once we're, you know, up in the air Mm -hmm. already, Uh, just because, you know, it's the the same amount of anxiety that goes along with anything Mm -hmm. that, you know. I don't know. You're. Mm. It's like Louis C.K. said, like you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Like, yeah. it's, you know, crazy in a way. But I've been doing it for so long because my my mom was a flight attendant for U.S. Air back in the '90s. We used to fly all the time, you know, because she's would be able to fly for free or something like that. It, we wouldn't be going far. We'd be like going to Boston, maybe Florida, mm. and whatever. It's a plane. Put in your earplugs. Read, read your Calvin and Hobbes book. <laughs> that was it. Um, I mean, I like takeoff. I like landing. It's such a departure from airliners to to civil aviation. Um, well, airliners are civil aviation, but they're big as opposed to the Piper Cherokees, your Cessna 172s, may, even your de Havilland 8s. Prop planes are a different animal, and they're hot. That's the thing that you don't get in airliners that have air conditioning. Small planes don't have air conditioning, and it's like an old car with windows that you can't roll down. Imagine being stuck in the Falcon in the summertime and being unable to roll those windows down. Imagine any car where the where you can't roll the windows down, and it's hot. Or did what you went to why I'm missing? And yeah. did your school have air conditioning? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Did it ever quit on you? Uh not really. Uh, our school didn't have air conditioning. My school didn't have air conditioning, which was Blue Mountain, but that we had windows that could open, but some classrooms didn't have windows and those were required to have air conditioning. And when the air conditioning did go, those classes were held uh, in the cafeteria, if no one was in there, or in the auditorium, 
which their AC unit may have been on a different circuit or something like that, because mm. I can't remember that breaking. Oh, duh. It's graduate. Like, I had to go to every single graduation because I was in the band. You got to play yeah. at graduation. And, of course, graduation is in late May or early June, depending on how they're shuffling the schedule that year. And what happens in Pennsylvania? Rain and those things. And you're praying that it's not going to rain because if it rains, you got to have graduation in the gym. Oh, just all those bodies. And, and they have the big fans and the, the windows. And I don't know if the new gym at Blue Mountain has AC. I think it does because it doesn't have windows, but um, or it has those fake windows that kind of, or those. Why, do every, why does every single gym have to have privacy windows? Uh, don't know, but that's a good question. You know, the milk white translucent, I guess it's light outside windows. Maybe they're at doing the top. Bit like school shooters from a perched position. I, oh, I don't know. Dark. Yeah, that is. I mean, <laughs> but it's one of those things where, you know, somebody at the parent at the PTA meeting is, you know, saying, let's implement this esoteric yeah. thing as yeah. we think about the children. Um, anyway. But, um, so, yeah, small civil aviation is like having graduation in the gym. Oh, <laughs> and I'm there in my uniform, which is made out of what? Wool. And you just sit. And they try to tell parents not to clap. <laughs> because if they clap, we're not going to get through this. Yeah. I mean, my graduating class was, I think, 108 people. So, in the grand scheme of things, not that big. But anyway. I didn't even think of the time component of it. I just thought they would tell you not to clap so that the kid who didn't have anyone there for him didn't feel left out. Oh. But, eh, you know, two birds, one stone. I went to, you, you went to Kutztown graduation, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they did it in an interesting way. They rolled through everybody. If you're clapping or you're carrying on, they're not stopping. It's not like a live studio audience where they pause for the jokes. Yeah. Um, you have a card. It has your name on it. And as you go up, you give your card with your name to somebody. And that person gives it to the commencement speaker or whoever's doing it. Maybe the president. I can't remember who was saying the names. And they read your name out. So... You're sat in um, any any order, and it's it's almost first come first serve wherever yeah, you're sitting. There's no alphabetical, no sort of yeah. And that oh, commencement speakers, they ought to have the Oscar music for those <laughs> guys. Oh, did I? I I was actually uh, I got a letter. It, it, like the last like two weeks three weeks of grad school mm -hmm. uh, a letter that they asked me to like speak at the thing and I didn't realize at the time that like they were basically apparently I took this to my advisor and mentioned how you know because I'm not really a good public speaker he's like dude they were asking you to be valedictorian I'm like why what <laughs> yeah apparently for, for Kutztown yeah for like grad school apparently and I'm like wait but why it's like well you like well, look at your grades, blah, 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 blah. And, like, apparently, like, I had never actually paid attention to my grades, but um, apparently I'd gotten, like, 4-0 for, like, the whole really? period. Yeah. 
Like, I don't know how that happened. Like, it was a complete, like, thing that I wasn't paying attention to. Dude, why didn't you take that? Oh, because I didn't realize that it was, like, being asked to be valedictorian. I thought they were just asking me to speak at graduation, and I don't like speaking and, you know, doing speeches. Because, you know... Shit, son. Yeah, then you end up doing the the friggin', uh, you know... Webster's Dictionary. Uh, like, that's... I went to a wedding about a month ago, and, you know, there were speeches, and I'm just like, please don't whip out the Webster's. Don't do the whole Webster's def- defines marriage and love and blah, 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 is, you know. And that stands true here. <laughs> John and Sabin were They were a Dairy Queen. And I knew him back at the funny story when we were 12. Ha ha ha. Keeping it PG. <laughs> and we don't have to mention, Shamazin really likes his commemorative plates. <laughs> and then you have the opposite end of the spectrum where, you know, casual reference to the groom being a moron and the bride being a slut. And like, at some point... There's this video on YouTube of this guy giving the worst best man speech of all time. Yeah. So bad that, like, the mother-in-law has to come and take the microphone out of his hand. It was just one of those cringe things where, like, nope. Just nope. noping right out of that. Mm. It's the same thing with, like, at New York Comic Con, anytime I saw someone dress as Pennywise from It. Yeah. Just like, nope. <laughs> Getting right out of here. <laughs> oh, and that's the thing of, like, the cars that were there. I, for some reason, it's always Chevy every year. Mm-hmm. Chevy are the only, it's the only automaker that has cars there. And so there's, uh, this year there were four. Uh, so there was the Batmobile Chevy Tahoe. Okay. Which, which it's just a, a gunmetal gray uh, Chevy Tahoe with the Batman logo on the hood. And it's also like, it's a, this chunky design that makes it look more Batmobile-esque. Okay. Uh, there's the Wonder Woman Corvette, which is just, you know, the most recent Corvette with, you know, Wonder Woman panels emblazoned on it. Okay. There's, uh, the Chevy Bolt EV with, like, mm. the flash all over it. Which, I get it, lightning you know, bolt. Flash okay. on the bolt, because there's a bolt on the flash. But, um, and then the last one is the same, they have this car every year in the exact same style, they never change anything about it. It's, uh... Chevy Camaro emblazoned with the breast cancer awareness. Okay. So it's like, you know, Pepto pink. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that had no superhero affiliation, but it's just kind of weird in that I'm not sure how Chevy decides who, like what character goes on which car, because well, with Batman, you can kind of understand why the Tahoe in that, if you were someone who preferred the Christian Bale Batman and like that Batmobile, which was like that tumbler thing yeah. that just, you know, you you would think bigger and bulkier in the same way that like working at a soup kitchen will make you feel closer to God. You know, uh-huh. like driving a Tahoe makes you feel like closer to Batman. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> All right. A truck. I mean, it's a truck. It's a utility vehicle. And Batman has a utility belt. 
Oh, see, that's a good connection. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. At the Tahoe, okay, so they had this giant computer screen facing the Tahoe, and you'd walk up and you'd press the thing, the button on the computer screen, and you know it would give you three seconds to get into a position, and it would take your picture. But the thing is, is that they had it set up in a corner of the Javits Center where there was absolutely no natural light getting into it, mm-hmm. and they didn't have any lighting rigs set up, mm. so you were getting these pitch black pictures being Mm. taken that were just sort of it was a mess uh i don't know why they did it that way Hmm. um but with the wonder woman thing i don't know why the corvette i mean i'm sure women do drive corvettes but i've never seen it with my own two eyes in the wild right now the rolodex of car show pictures is spinning in my head now most of the people who drive corvettes to shows around here in Pennsylvania fall into two groups. Wingadinga or I bought a C6 and I'm turboing it to hell. I'm like going full Matt Happel on it and I'm turning it into this autocross destroyer or something that's just going to burn the tires off or I'm a dra- or it's a dragster. Ooh. With in the case of Wingadinga, the man always drives. <laughs> Because I like Ike. (laughs) And in the other case, it it usually falls into the male self-destructive pattern. I'm 26 and I got out of the military and this is what I'm spending my money on. (laughs) (laughs) Pusher, like multiple nitrous spraying out of this. Are people into that? Are girls into that? Yes. Shout out to Steph Schrader. She would probably like that. Of course, it would have to be a Parsh with 12 turbos on it. You know, um, sup, Steph. And uh, that could be it. Yeah. But yeah, Corvette. GM could pull a card from uh, Harley Davidson because Harley Davidson has a legit women's program. Do you need that to sell vehicles? No. Does it hurt? Absolutely not. Of course, Harleys have the benefit of that most of them are low, and now we get talking to the genetics and inseams and hip placement, and typically a Harley... Harley Davidson does make a low version of their motorcycles. There's the 883 low. Do they make one in their 1200? I don't know, but it's easy enough because most of them have traditional shocks on the back. You can just swap them out. And, and drop it like two inches and, you know, and, and drop in, drop in the front on motorcycles is no problem. You just unscrew the top of the forks unless it has inverted forks. And even then, I think it still works. And you just pull the, pull the springs out, put shorter springs in and there you go. So there's that. Unless you're Holly home and that way, is she like six one? I forget. Uh, she's tall-ish. I wanted to say 5'11". Oh, okay. Yeah, but, but then that's sure. any mo- yeah. motorcycles. It's, but... I just tried to think of someone with really long legs, and I just went, Holly home. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, uh, you know, John Jones, he has those... Or Anderson Silva has those, you know, those long legs. But, yeah. um... No, and then, um... What was the other one? Oh, the, the Bolt. So, the whole idea with the Bolt having the flash on it like i get the the pun of you know flash on the bolt there because there's a bolt on the flash but Mm -hmm. 
you know, speed-wise, like, it's not a very fast car, and the only thing that you could really say that is fast about it is the whole quick-charge capability, and even then, it's not... Still not as fast as a Tesla. No, it, because, you know, a Tesla, it's, like, at 150 kilowatts, the charging rate, but the Bolt, it's, like, at around 80 or so, mm. and then at 50% charge, it starts to sort of level off. As opposed to, you know, when you're at 80%, then it starts to level off a bit, mm. you know, to where um, I think the rate is somewhere around, and I looked this up at the show, that um, I think it lowers down to um, 50 kilowatts, the charging capacity, the closer it gets to full charge. Mm -hmm. And so we're just sort of uh, piling on inconveniences in addition to the fact that, you know, charging stations are hard to come by if you're not driving a Tesla. Yeah. You know, or charging options. Yeah. And again, like, we've been through the whole, like, the weirdness of the the whole electric car debate just because, you know, gotta have a garage. Yeah. Gotta, you know, because, you know, kids are assholes. Yep. Um, yep. But, um... Yeah. Oh, I got uh, recognized at New York Comic Con, too. Yeah. Uh, just a guy came by really... This is what I love about our fans, is that they come by really quick, just say, hey, and then they're... Which is not to say that, like, I wouldn't, like, stop and talk. Like, I would love mm -hmm. to stop and talk to some of the people, but the crowd was so deeply, you know, packed in mm. that there was only time to just, like, handshake, hey, man, keep up the good work, like yeah. the videos. Yeah. And then... Cool. um. Yeah, so that was nice. We were wearing an RCR shirt. Nah, that was oh, nice. A, yeah, I was. I forget what shirt I was wearing because I had a bunch of like novelty shirts that I had brought with me. There, there was like the Xanarkin Abe shirt from mm -hmm. Final Fantasy X, and you know, uh, a shirt that just said carbs on it. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, uh, um, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was a good experience, and I'll talk more about it in my video, which I want to have done in like the next two weeks or so. I, I get recognized if the if I'm driving the Falcon or if I'm wearing an RCR shirt, and that's normally it. I was recognized once at Cabela's and by someone, and I asked, how did you know it was me? And they said, the hat. So I was wearing the bucket hat. Uh, the original one, not the one with the logo, with the logo on it, yeah. the original blank one. Um it was weird because I was hand, I was holding an AR-15 <laughs> at the time. <laughs> Not that I was going to buy it, but you go to Cabela's and they have all the rifles just there. Yeah, there, there's no there there isn't any there's no chains on them. There's no ropes on them. Granted, they have trigger locks on them. Yeah, do they even have trigger locks? Yeah, I think they have trigger. They locks want on you them. to hold them. Though. Yeah, it's yeah. it's 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 the deadly version of a warm puppy. Oh. And uh, um, anyway. So we got to talking about this or that, and he was there with his dad, who did not know or care who I was, yeah. but he also had a car, and his dad talked about cars in the gruff, I have my car, I like my car, this is my car, I care about no other car than his. Yeah. Um, which, I was feeling lonely that day, and partly it was me, because I just wanted to have someone to talk to that day. So, I actually kind of accidentally on purpose waited around for the guy and hoped to run into him on the way out so I could talk to him a little bit more yeah. and I said you know the Falcon's out here if you want to look at it he's like no no I'm like oh okay bye because they probably think they're like imposing I guess yeah, yeah. um 
But hey, uh, don't you have some news regarding a purchase? You made? Are we not talking about? Oh that? yeah, no, I could, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I talked about that on on Twitter. I posted it. Yeah, I bought a a uh, a 2013 Suzuki DR650, which is a dual sport motorcycle. Um, I haven't owned a motorcycle since we we started doing RCR seriously. Mm. Um, which was what three years ago when the LLC was formed, yeah. and or this I think we're still in year three. I could open that closet over there and look at the tax folders and see where does it begin. I think 2014 was when it really started to pick up. But I think we were YouTube partners in 2013. Yeah. So. <clears throat> yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, we but... started making money 20. All right, so this is 2017, 16, 15. And yeah. yeah, I think the LLC was the year after we became YouTube partners. Yeah, so that might have been fourteen. Fourteen may have been the LLC. Thirteen was when we were doing it, but still working. Yeah, and twelve is when I came back from Alaska. Yeah, wow. Like, I I even forget when I graduated. I graduated a year after you. I graduated in twenty ten. All right, so I graduated. All even numbers. <laughs> I graduated in 2012. But then I went back. Yeah, I went back for master's plus my, my certification. And that's mm. when I had an office in Beaky Administration Building. So I was there for like a year and a half and then Alaska. Uh, years start moving together. I got to make a timeline in my life so I can remember things. Yeah, I'm like the of... big the big dates stand out for me. Grad started high school in 1996. Graduated high school in 2000. Yeah, I was class of 2000. Graduated undergrad in 2004. Um. Two thousand and five, I think I got my first teaching job. Two thousand and six was the insanity year. Two thousand seven was the mental breakdown. Uh, Two thousand eight was back to good. Um, and when I say mental breakdown, what it really is is a quarter life crisis. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm never going to be anything. You know, yeah. I suck. I'm going to live with my parents forever. My dad had a career already by now. Mm-hmm. So 2008 was back to good. By the end of 2008, yeah, grad school, met you 2009, 2010. I think it took me three years because I took a light and load. Yeah. Which was because I think I started graduate school before you, but it freaked me out because 2007, yeah, because it was so much harder than undergrad. Yeah. And I was barely keeping up with the classes and the reading until I remembered, you know, this really isn't like I figured out, oh, wait, it really isn't that different than undergrad. Just show up and be nice. (laughs) You know, you don't have to wow the professor at every single moment. Yeah. Um but also but also taking two classes instead of three helped. Um and then graduate when did I get my certification done? Like there was this period in between grad school part one, which is when we were in school together, 
and grad school part two. That summer, I worked in a bakery. I was a lister for the national, for like something like National Research Center, which was just for a summer, but it paid pretty well because it was government work. And then, and then I was substitute teaching, and then I went back to grad school. I have to go back and look at like old bank statements. Yeah. To try to figure out what I was buying and when and Cause, like where I was going. Because those like the years in between between big moments just, just kind of fade away. Well, it's to the point where I think some aspects of what it is that I've done since grad school have blurred the line. It was like, I'm wondering how much of it is big events uh, sort of happening in a sort of avalanche thing so that they all blur together, and how much of it is just, you know, well, you you drank a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, how much of it did I obliterate with alcohol? Yeah. And how much of it is just the natural forgetfulness of age progression? Yeah. You know, like, I don't drink like I did then, but it's to the point where why would I remember it anyway? Yeah. You know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. Huh. But, like, the big stuff, like, you know, the road trip to Colorado, like, the, the which was 2014, if I remember correctly, which okay. I may not. Because <laughs> um, I remember telling my boss, hey, I need two weeks off. Hmm. And she looks at me and goes, two weeks off? And I said, yeah, I asked you about this two months ago. I don't remember that. Yeah, it's not like you just told, told him you eat Reese's for breakfast. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Which said, well, I should have sent you an email then. Yeah. I need, or talk to you on Skype so you have a third party. But, you know, we, I got off and then we left. Man. And the year after, I think a year after was, yeah, well, it would have had to have been the year after was the, uh, the Pacific Pister. Yeah. And then, uh, but I want to say, like, the Southern Stab was before that, but I don't remember. It was. See, yeah, see. Southern I, Stab was. So maybe the there was Colorado the de- trip was 2013. Maybe. Yeah. Which came first, the Colorado road trip or our first trip to L.A.? First first trip to L.A. Okay, that came yeah. first. Then the drive out to Denver, drive out to Colorado. Then the Southern Stab, then the Pacific Fister, then RCR UK, and then coming then is uh, RCR New Zealand after RCR New Zealand I don't know what it could be it could be RCR Australia go down there hopefully maybe kind of sort of I don't know collaborate in some fashion with Mighty Car Mods yeah half of it would be weird just to see people on that level who are beyond even Matt Farah in, yeah. in size. Well, smoking tire, I'm sorry. Um, and then there's also... Could do Germany? I mean, it's it's open to really anything. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, like, there can't be the language barrier. Um, right. And But also, I mean, I feel like there are a lot of, you know... Um, North American places, you know. Oh, we haven't uh, done Canada yet. That's the joke. Canada, You're going everywhere except Canada. RCR, Why are you not Canada? RCR, it's eight hours away from here. Like, it's eight hours <laughs> is is Toronto. That's eight hours from here. Yeah. RCR versus 
bean town rcr versus lone star state yeah you know uh, still haven't done texas yet every uh, now and again steph says when are you coming to austin i'm like i don't know we will we will come to austin she will put me on a track and i will embarrass myself because have i ever driven a car on a track nope have i even autocrossed yet nope Um, yeah i'm in that club too yeah i mean i've been offered but it's always been a timing thing yeah and also like a terror thing just because i know i'm not going to be good right it's like hey i i didn't like i never really liked ultimate frisbee i never liked touch football like hey let's have a sport and because me and me and team sports they all distill into don't fuck up yeah just don't fuck up baseball oh man baseball they're all looking at you i know it's my dream in baseball is to get up at bat hit a nice infield fly and have the opposing team catch it and i get out Mm. i don't yet hey you made contact it's not your fault they caught it now i get to go back to the dugout I don't have to get on base. I don't have to have the mighty responsibility that I betrayed the ball. Yeah. Ah, freaking baseball. Yeah. Soccer was easier because as long as you're hustling and running, you still get your orange slices at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Swimming sucked because you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You're not. You don't. Ugh, hated swimming. Uh, but I liked I liked marching band because all my friends were there. But as a percussionist, it's another case of as long as the band director isn't asking you to play what you just played, you're fine. Did I did I ever? I started practicing music senior year, but it's just sort of hanging in the back and having no ambition. That's why I never got off baseline. But. Mm. Man, I wish I remembered as much of my high school. For me, like, high school all sort of blurs together in a weird way. Yeah. Um, Mostly because, not because, like, I enjoyed it a lot. Like, I had a lot of fun and everything. Um, But it was kind of, um, I don't know. It's kind of, I didn't get picked on, but I wasn't popular either. I was just kind of like a middle ground, like, he's there, but not really kind of guy, you know? Um. So, eh, it is what it is, but, eh. Oh, uh, your motorcycle. Oh, yeah. Um, shout out to Ryan, the seller. Uh, he was selling it on Craigslist. Here's the unique thing about this motorcycle. It's a 2013. Hmm. But it only had 570-some miles on it. Hmm. Right? Did it just barn find? So, mm, yes, a barn. Well, it certainly was stored in a barn when we went to look at it. Um, We'll take a look at it after this if you want. I was full of a number of questions. You know, no Craigslist purchase has ever been simple. It's 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 like Craigslist is like dipping into the loony bin every single time. And I guess people who bought from me thought I was crazy, too. Because the weird thing... Hey, Jeff. Or Jeff. Duh. Ryan. The, I am scratching my head because this guy never heard of a certified check or a cashier's check. Huh. 
right? How old is this person? 22. Oh, well, but like if you're because I feel like the the especially for around now, the period at which you strike out on your own is sort of pushed back to 21 yeah. from 18. Yeah. So maybe you wouldn't have heard of it. Also, depending on the nature of the work that you do, um, mm-hmm. you know, eh, if yeah. you're an independent contractor, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so he wanted cash and I was uncomfortable carrying the few thousand dollars with me. Yeah. And so I show up there with mace, with, with my canister of mace on my belt. (laughs) I I was, I was considering going over to dad's house and just, you know, I don't have a concealed permit. I, I considered it. Like, you don't know. You never know. The guy, and everything was fine. But it's Craigslist. You're always... Now, he was probably just as suspicious of me as I was of him. Because here's this guy talking about something called a cashier's check. Mm. What? A certified check from the bank. And I'm at the bank. I'm at the bank in Hamburg. And I'm talking to the manager. And she was kind enough to take my cell phone and talk to Ryan. like, here's what a cashier's check is or a, a certified check. A cert- and for everybody listening, a certified check is a check from the bank, not from you. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is withdrawing money, giving it to the bank. The The second you write a certified check, the money leaves your account. Now it's in that check. That money is guaranteed. Yeah. So you can give it. It's the same as a money order. It's better than a money order because they don't charge you anything. Yep. You already have an account. That's a service that most banks provide. So I pay my taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I find out what I owe mm-hmm. and then, you know, certified check to the bank because I don't have any checks in my name. Oh. So. Yeah. That's the one thing about banks. You do have to buy your checkbook from them. Yeah. Now, I write checks to you and, and every other thing. So I have my my big <laughs> checks from regular car reviews. Well, anyway. that's also the, like the reason that I never got checks in my own name is because there's a high rate of turnover for my accounts in the sense that the bank that I use, every two years they assign you um, like a new – well, actually, no, that wouldn't affect the bank account number. I forget. What, what stupid-ass reason did I come up with for not having a checkbook in my own name? All I know is that I just kind of like having the convenience of a cash – or the certified check mm. of just being able to go there. It's my money. I know it's my money, and I know it's in there, and I yeah. know I'm good for it. Yeah. And it's all in one direct place. That check is there. It's guaranteed. And al- yeah, and also when you use certified checks, the check will never bounce, and also – like right now, I'm paying quarterly taxes uh, for RCR, yep. and the IRS still has it's been half a month, and the IRS still hasn't taken out that quarterly deposit yet. Mm. So right, yeah. yeah. I, well, no, my quarterlies, I again, I do the certified check because yeah. I don't, I I can't live with the uncertainty of not knowing when that money's coming out. Right. I don't know when it's coming out. So there's a bunch of money in my checking account that I'd rather not have in there, but it needs to be there to back up this eventual withdrawal of some. Yeah. Anyway, motorcycle. (laughs) (laughs) So he never heard of this. So I'm starting to wonder. And then I started wondering about the bike itself. Why does it have so few miles? It's registered in Delaware, but it still has a valid Pennsylvania inspection sticker on it that thing's inspected until june of 2018 so technically nothing's wrong Wrong with it it. but but why does it why did this guy have 
I wasn't smart enough to look at his title. And when I took it to Mary Lou Stone over at Deer Lake Auto, she said, oh, this guy only owned this for a few months. Huh. Like, why did he own it for a few months? And Mary Lou looked at me and goes, he was flipping it. And, I'm, and my eyes light up like, oh, he was flipping it. Ryan, I have no problem if you're flipping a bike. I, I'm in, I'm happy with the product. It's a great bike. But my, like, post-commentary is he said I'm selling it because I never ride it. And that's normally what people say when they sell motorcycles, and I didn't question it. And I guess it, it's – I flipped – I tried to flip every single motorcycle I've ever owned. I only was able to, like, not do it twice. So I'm, like – I'm like seven, seven to nine or seven for nine at making a profit on every single motorcycle I've had. I have no problem. And this guy said, I bought it from an old man who couldn't ride it anymore. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. Probably is. But if he's flipping the bike, just say up front, I'm flipping it. I'm guessing he said he didn't want to do it because flipping has a dirty name. And also, if you're flipping it, that means you're going to want to bargain down. But a bike that has less than a thousand miles on it. I was happy with the price he was offering. And I didn't... It's the same case with the MR2. I didn't want anybody else to have this. I want this. Because with dual sports, they're always messed with. They're always trashed because they're they're half off-road bikes. People treat them like crap. And they're kind of made to be treated like crap. And everybody puts a stupid FMF exhaust on Suzuki DR650s and also the Honda XR650 or Kawasaki KLR650. They always have the exhaust on it. Whereas this one has a regular exhaust. It just goes pum, 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 which is civilized. And I like that. And also the bike has a windshield. And the bike also has luggage racks on it that it didn't come with. And the tires are still fine. Great, good, wonderful. Now, I didn't know this. Every Suzuki is Suzuki is the Honda. What uh, Hyundai? I always mispronounce it. I, I mean, I always said Hyundai since I was Hyundai. Kid, but that's because Hyundai. That's because uh, commercials. America's Breast Warranty. Contact your Hyundai dealer. Hyundai. 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 Say, the commercials always say Hyundai, but that's like Americanized. Hyundai. You know what I mean? How how many? things do we get wrong over here of you know yeah porsche porsche yeah, yeah. jaguar 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 the i like suzuki and i'm kind of a suzuki loyalist because a lot of my favorite bikes were suzuki's and also during quarter life crisis when i got out of it i bought a suzuki so then there's that warm feeling like i'm okay again i got this gs500 i'm cool yeah so Suzuki was always warm and felt like a warm and friendly brand. <laughs> so, but one thing Suzuki does because they are in a way, uh, Hyundai to, uh, Honda's, well, Honda, <laughs> uh, Honda doesn't really cut corners with their bikes. Suzuki always cheaps out with something. With the GS500, it was the front fork brace, which is a very weak stamped metal sheet that maybe some people claim even broke. Um, with the GS, with the um, DR650, forgive me, I can't remember your Twitter name, but he pointed out the second I posted that picture, he said, did you do the NSU fix yet? I'm like, okay, the fact that you're abbreviating it and it doesn't even say what it is means it's such a common problem. <laughs> oh boy alright and I asked him what is it he says okay the neutral sending unit 
has okay what the neutral sending unit is with motorcycles there's a special light that comes on to tell you you're in neutral um neutral is usually um you you leave it in neutral to either start it or sometimes you put it in neutral at a traffic light like you would with any manual but since it's not an h pattern shifter it's a sequential shifter that you use your left foot to choose the gear uh neutral is between first gear and second gear so the way you find neutral is to keep clicking your keep pressing your foot down click 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 until you can't move it anymore now you're in first gear and now you get your toe under it and pull up click one half click up is neutral and to help you know that you're in neutral a little green light will come on with a little n on it say ah you're in neutral that means you can take your um you can uh, release the clutch and relax for a little bit uh while you wait uh for the light now the neutral sending unit is a little tab or a little gizmo down in the transmission that makes a connection between two wires when you're in neutral to make the little light turn on in most bikes the neutral sending unit is made of metal but in the dr650 it's made of plastic and the neutral sending unit because um uh, most motorcycle engines the engine and transmission share the same oil that thing is sitting in hot oil metal not a problem plastic problem Mm. the plastic is probably um the type of plastic that can stand up to the heat of the oil certainly there are other plastic bits inside the engine the oil drive gear even in cases like um the falcon or most which uses an aod transmission all aod transmissions the speedometer gear is plastic and it sits in oil it doesn't degrade it's like a high temp plastic but the nuts or i'm sorry the bolts or screws or fasteners let's just say fasteners that hold the little plastic neutral sending unit in place as the bike heats and cools the plastic expands and shrinks at a different rate than what metal expands and shrinks so as that pushing and pulling just slightly as the bike heats and cools causes those fasteners to slowly back out until they may fall out now you have two fasteners two screws falling right down into the clutch right down into the transmission which would grenade the whole thing suzuki has never acknowledged this problem has never fixed it there's never been a recall since 96 damn now why did they do that Maybe they acknowledge that it happens. They've, I don't, I don't know. They, the forum said that the DR650, they wouldn't back out if they Loctited, you know, put Loctite on the threads. That would keep them from backing out. They didn't do that. Um, The forums, I think either Thumper Talk or DR, whatever the forum is, um, had a poll. How many people have never, how many people took it, took their case off took the clutch off and did the fix and found that they were tight 30 percent of people found that they were tight and weren't loose some people said when they get it they're finger tight they're barely in there Mm. um i've ordered uh there is a um 
motorcycle parts distributor called, um, I think, ProCycle from Oregon. And they sell a kit to fix that problem. They sell longer screws, stainless steel screws that are already drilled, and there's a wire. You will wire the screws shut so they can no, you wire the screws together so, and, and you twist the wire. So if one tries to back out, it starts tightening the other one. <laughs> so they're, they're just locked together in a, in a forever red rover that can never break. So then you're good. Once you wire them in, you're good. So it's a relative, it's a simple self fix to a potentially deadly problem. Yeah. That which, I mean, shout, shout out to Twitter person. Yeah. Thank God for fans who yeah. notice these things. Now, my bike only has, uh, well, now 600 miles on it. I rode it for a little bit. That means the break-in oil is finally done, so I will change the oil. If I, in order to uh, perform this fix, you have to drain the oil anyway because you're taking the crankcase cover off of the trans. One of the crankcase covers off of the transmission. Oil is going to leak out anyway, so you might as well just drain the oil and change the oil when you do it. That's what I should do this weekend. Wait, my kit, my kit isn't coming maybe until Monday, so I'll just wait until then. We have a shoot on Saturday. We do have a shoot on Saturday. Yeah, I can't do it on Saturday. Uh, duh. Mm-hmm. Um, so not gonna be doing it anyway. Right. Well, um, uh, but well, anyway, I'll do it. I'm not asking if I need help because I know how to do it. It's a one man job. It's not a two man job. I'm probably going to film it. Any, I should film it anyway and just include it when I review the bike and just complain the whole time. <laughs> but one thing I have to know is I have to know the torque specifications on those crankcase bolts because I'm, you don't want to over torque those things and you're going to crack your crankcase. At the risk of sounding like I'm going on a crusade, I almost feel like the review should have the goal of getting Suzuki to acknowledge this problem and recall, you know, of just kind of NSU. Yeah. I don't know. This is the problem. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Could do. I don't know. It'd be wonderful if, like, we get credited as the people who finally gets to acknowledge them. Because they're still making the DR650. It's still in production. I don't yeah. think that bike's ever going out of production. It's very popular. To just say, look, if you just lock tight these things when they put them in. Uh. There were there were some people who posted pictures of one where um, in most cases they fall out and fall down into the oil pan and don't hit anything. Yeah. But there are some cases where they get caught up in the clutch and just destroy the whole engine. Mm. You, just, you just shred the clutch. If this was a car, it'd be fixed like that. It'd be yeah. a recall instantly. But because, be, you know, th- there could be babies and yeah. in it. But, right. oh, you're a motorcycle. Duh. Uh, live yeah. to ride, ride. Well, that's Harley, but still. <laughs> live to ride, ride and live. Ah, uh, yeah. yeah. So... Um, I'm going to dip into the Ask RCR mailbag as we, as in the final leg of our inaugural, well, it's not our inaugural podcast, but I mean, you and me. First time we're indoors. Yeah. (laughs) Um, okay. So 
uh, Lazy Driver asks, what the hell makes Pennsylvania so special? Mr. Regular seems to wax poetic about how awesome Pennsylvania is, but I just don't get it. It looks <laughs> like you both live in the middle of nowhere, stuck between endless strip malls and farms. You get brutal winters and Amish hogging the slow lane. Pennsylvania pride seems to begin and end with Ben Franklin wearing a Steelers hat while gorging on a cheesesteak sandwich. I'd like to hear otherwise. Well, he wouldn't be wearing a Steelers hat. He'd be wearing an Eagles yeah, hat. Yeah, Eagles hat, yeah. He's from Philly, not Pittsburgh. Yeah. Pennsylvania is a microcosm of the entire country. We have two right there. Yeah. We have two major cities on one the east coast and one the west coast, the west side yes. of Pennsylvania. The one on the east, the one on the east is dirty and angry, and the one on the left is hip and weird. <laughs> In the middle is flyover country or literally drive-by country. You just get on the turnpike and go. Yeah. There's uh, really friendly resources in the north, like the Midwest North. Um, we have our own stovepipe and we have our own, um, technically we border a foreign, country, uh, foreign land because we border er Lake Erie and Erie borders Ontario or the province of Ontario of Canada. And... We would have been the first state if Delaware didn't butt in line. <laughs> we are the second state to ratify the Constitution. Um, we are the reason we uh, oil was discovered here. We had the first uh, superhighway, supposedly superhighway, which is the Schuylkill Expressway. Yeah. There's nothing super about that anymore, but for its time. And very briefly, we had an autobahn when the Pennsylvania Turnpike was finished initially it had no speed limit and there were it, it went from i think at the time it just went from carlisle to philadelphia and then, and then a speed limit was put in i think god this must have been when did they do it the 40s yeah it was around the 40s I, I i'm totally talking out my ass could be a different time yeah but uh it you get all, I think a lot of it is you get all four seasons yeah. and you appreciate every single one. Now, because of the hurricanes, it's been weird. Only recently did it, did it like yesterday it became fall yeah. here in October. Summer but, stuck around a long time. Yeah, it did. Holding on with both hands. Mm -hmm. But uh, this was the first, and autumn is my favorite season. So I was kind of in a funk because I just wanted it to feel like fall already. Yeah. Because um, there's just something weird about leaves falling, but it's hot outside. Yeah. You know, that it's like 80. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. Um, it's the humidity, but yeah. I don't know. It's proper cold outside right now. So mm -hmm. um, nice chilly breeze. But yeah, whenever people sort of ask, you know, why I like Pennsylvania, it's because, you know, it's it's the U.S. all in one you know, yeah. state, it's microcosm of the whole thing, you know, mm -hmm. cities, farmland. I mean, the only thing we need is a beach. And yeah. It's pretty much, yeah. you know, mountainous terrain. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I don't know. We have our own Grand Canyon too. It sucks. <laughs> we have one, the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. Uh, let's see. Um, do you think Korean cars will become what Japanese cars were? Reliable, fun, and cheap alternatives to domestic cars. We're going to know more with Genesis. 
Um, but they're trying to go up market. Reliable and fun. Well, we have the Veloster. It was kind of sort of this hot hatch. People who have them like them. The thing about the Japanese cars is they were so overbuilt in the late 70s and 80s. That was their hook. As opposed to Hyundai, who got around that by just having a kick-ass warranty. Now, they still last, but they had to beat Honda on price point. Could they ever be what Japanese cars aren't? Well, to call a Korean car a Japanese car would, would be to do it a disservice. They're, they're different approaches to, to an automobile. So I think the answer is no. I, I get what you're saying. Will they ever have the quality of what we had come to expect from Japanese cars? That's not the point. That's not the point of a Korean car. The Korean car, you don't go to Harbor Freight because you want something that's going to last forever and ever and ever. Yeah. You go to Harbor Freight because I just need a freaking socket. I just need a 10 millimeter socket. Or I just need a cheap socket set that I'm going to do dirty work with. Yeah. Let's see. Um, what is the criteria for a winga dinga dinga car? Is it simply for older Mustangs, a certain time period for cars, or just old American muscle in general? Uh, if you want to say time period, that's going to be maybe late 40s or early 50s into... Eh, yeah, mid... Uh, like, just before oil crisis. So I would say, like, let's go 19, 1950 to 1970, really. Or really 1972. Because um, the cars were so big. But when I really get into what Wingadinga means, it means I'm going to get a car. This car is a replacement for my personality. This car, I have no radical opinions about anything. I like nice things. This car is nice. Therefore, I'm nice. Instead of developing a unique personality, I'm going to buy an old car and stand by it. Or let's be honest, sit by it. I'm going to not engage with anybody else. I'm going to not talk to anybody else at the car show. I'm going to sit in front of it and fold my arms over my gelatinous belly. <laughs> Maybe I'll put Craigers on it. I'll put dice in the mirror. I'll put a little hula hoop lady. I still read Playboy. I... God bless them. They keep them clean, don't they? If it wasn't for Wingadinga culture, a lot of those classic rides would be junk. They never drive the car. They do it and they drive slowly. It's the American equivalent of of uh, uh, Cameron's dad's Ferrari from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He doesn't drive it, he just rubs it with a diaper. Well, this guy will drive it. He'll dr I wonder if we're going to get our own Wingadinga culture when we try to what was that line you had? Uh, something, something, just trying to relive the summer of 97. Oh, yeah. Um, where sort of um, it's this uh, middle ground between the two eras where you had. Um, and this was, uh, I think it has something to do with like the presence of technology, but not the omnipresence of technology. Yeah. Of like, we had the internet, but you know, the internet wasn't our lives, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and 
I don't know, like, it's you're straddling the line between, you know, the modern tech-driven era and the past that's more of, you know, a high-tech car is just something with a six-disc CD changer. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was, uh... And I'm trying to think of... The internet was something you did for an hour before bedtime. Yeah. That it was it. Yeah, that was pretty much... And it was something that, you know... Um, the internet was something that was in the living room. Yeah. You know, uh, we all sat there. And, or, I mean, you would sit there and you would do your homework. And, you know, th- there was no whacking off happening. Because no. you didn't have any... Pro- Maybe if, you know, the parents were out of town. And that's how, you know, it's like instead of throwing parties, like I'm throwing a party for one. <laughs> just, which, I mean, on on a friggin' dial-up connection, like how much fun are you really having? Right. Like on watching, you know... Uh, scenes from R-rated movies on real player. Nice. Just, you know... Buffering. Yeah, man! Just get got, got the tub of Vaseline there. And, you know, paper towels. But no, it's just... You know, the, the... And it's because, you know, the internet is one of those things where um, I think the the people were discovering car culture for the first time, like finding communities with which to discuss and share mm-hmm. opinions, because otherwise, you know, if you wouldn't, if you didn't have a car person in your life, like who are you going to talk cars with? Yeah. You know, and now that's not a problem. You have right. like our cars and you have, you know, countless other forums, you know, back in the day, you never would have known about the NSU thing, No. you know, and that's something that you would have had to find out the hard way. And, yeah. uh, now, there's almost we're in an age where there's almost no excuse for ignorance in the yeah. sense that, you know, if there's something that you don't know how to do, there's always someone on YouTube who will show you how. Yeah. And there's always people in forums or on subreddits that you can ask who will tell you how um, unless they just downvote you because they think your question is stupid. But yeah, it's one of those things where uh, I think I don't know. I forget how I got on this topic, but it's just a big you know. the, every, everybody wants to go back to the summer of 97. Yeah. So our summer of 97, would we have our own Winga Dinga cars? Would, well, I got all misty eyed over that, that Honda Civic, that EH2 hatch from 96, something like that. That was in the middle of winter too. And even a Chevy Cavalier. What else do I want? We still haven't done a K car. Plymouth Sundance, a Dodge Shadow. Oh man. Anyway. And then um last one. Um it's weird because I think we've answered a few of these, but uh I'm just gonna pick one at random uh and say Uh, do you think small, simple cars akin to Festivas, Geometros, EF hatches, or Tercels will ever come back? And would you like to see them come back? Yeah, I think they're. I think they're still here. I mean, they're trying to go up market. Um, which is, I say that a lot. Up market, the Honda Fit is still out there. Um, Ford's base Fiesta is still there. What was I driving recently? That someone got super. Oh yeah, um, Jeff. Um, we went hiking like, uh, two days ago, 
uh, on the AT, which is another story for another podcast. Um, he bought from a dealership a new Ford Focus base model uh, with a five-speed manual for $14,000. Hmm. That's pretty good. Yeah. And there's not much going on with it. He already put, you know, a cold air intake. Mm-hmm. I didn't even make air quotes, but you know what I'm doing. <laughs> Made the intake noise loud. Eh, it sounded growly. It was, it was all right. Um, but he put some nice tires on it. And so that car exists. Um, and he went on a big rant while we were hiking about how Ford, in an effort to get the fuel economy up for their automatic models, didn't use a traditional torque converter automatic. They used a automated manual, a electric man. So even the automatics are manuals, but the computer is shifting. But it shifts really bad, and it just wears itself out, and the transmissions have problems after 12,000 miles. And Ford did it to just make the EPA um, requirements, because manuals as being direct drive do get better mileage if used correctly. So this computer is trying to do it. But a computer can't adequately slip a clutch correctly all the time. It doesn't know how to be gentle, and also it tries to blend power, and so it's always trying to kick down. But it's it's in essence, it's just shifting too much. Whereas you know you can accelerate fine in fifth gear in in most cars with a manual versus this Ford automated manual for their mat for their automatics just breaks. So if you're buying a Ford Focus, a naturally aspirated base model one, for heaven's sakes, get the regular manual. Learn how to use it. So, yeah, small cars are still there. There will always be a market. There will always there always has to be a cheap, uh, low margin option for for dealers. I mean, the market just demands it. Um, if all cars got way too expensive. Initially, I think the economics of it would force the used car market to become more expensive because mm. that's where you have to buy. And then if we're believing in Adam Smith's invisible hand of free enterprise, a manufacturer would suddenly come out with that cheap car and then corner the market. Mm. So, yes, small cars will stick around. Because of pedestrian safety and stuff, they're still going to be heavier than they once were. But my answer to that is learn to learn to ride a freaking motorcycle. You'll be amazed. Like, I don't know. I th- I don't know how far this DR650 will go on a tank. People will be shouting it right now because they know it's just a calculation and depending how you ride the darn thing. It has a fuel capacity. It's stock tank. I think it's two point. I've it written down on a piece of paper, but my computer chair is way over there. It's two point four gallons. I think. Is all it carries. Sounds about right. And I think that'll get you. It, 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 I think the bare minimum, it has to get 50 miles a gallon. When I had a DR350 um, way before RCR, that thing did like 68 miles a gallon. 
So I think this 650 will do close to that. It's probably going to be less stress than the 350. The best mileage I ever got out of a motorcycle was 77 miles a gallon out of a Honda CM250C, which is the precursor to the Honda Rebel 250. And that was when I was living down in Lansdale, and which is a suburb of Philadelphia. And just riding around, like never going much faster than 40, maybe 50. It just kind of going back roads to work, never going on the highway with this thing. So the engine was never really stressed. And I was never really fighting wind resistance, just going that slow. So it was just sippy, sippy, sippy. So yeah, your solution to small cars was and always will be motorcycles. <laughs> Wear a helmet, all the gear, all the time. Yep. No exceptions. Except when there are exceptions. <laughs> uh, Which is more I've, often I've been than bad. I know. I yeah. when I had my scooter when I was living in Kutztown, I hardly wore. A, I I never wore a motorcycle helmet when I ran that rode that scooter. Should have because Pennsylvania had. Well, I mean, how many years ago was this? That was grad school part two. Mm. So that was two thousand and. 11, 12, something like that. When did you graduate? 10. So this would be 11 or 12. Mm. And I, I getting... rode it in the winter. Like I had headgear. I had a thick hat <laughs> and ski goggles and fight the wind. And even when I had my Honda, what was it? Honda CL175 Scrambler. There were occasions when I rode that around Kutztown. With no helmet and like um, John Lennon style round sunglasses and a waistcoat <laughs> when I was, it was kind of steampunk esque, mm. but riding a seven, like 1970 scrambler with the baffles removed. Ah, that bike was amazing. That was dangerous, but that was a dangerous motorcycle. It was fun and sexy though. I was so into that. and But, you know, when I left town, I wore a helmet. But, you know, my one roommate, Tyler Grimm, uh, he was riding his road bike, bicycle, like a sort of like a racing bicycle. Mm. He was flying down one street and got T-boned in it. He went to the hospital <laughs> with stitches that are so half of his ear back on. And so, yeah. I will admit that mother nature is trying to thin the herds and sometimes I'm falling into her trap oh look cool don't wear a helmet although when it comes to I do wear a helmet now Yeah, I have a full face helmet it's a Snell approved helmet I have an armor jacket and thanks to uh, one fan that I reviewed his Ducati and also his uh, BMW I think 1125 or did he have a 1200? It's the one where I made the joke about, have you seen long way around? Um, he gave me a pair of overpants with armored thighs and knees, mm. um, which I will also wear. I've ridden them and uh, I've worn them in videos. And also, as far as feet, because I have such wide feet, I just wear normal boots because I've never found a motorcycle boot that has a toe box big enough for my freaking flippers. So I'll either wear work boots or hiking boots mm. uh, as my shoes. And also gloves, too. Yeah. So 
Good. Yeah, good. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, that's going to do it for us for now. I'm the Roman. That's Mr. Regular. Hello. And, Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, see you next week. See you next week. Bye.